everybody. Welcome to episode number 90 of the Between the Cracks podcast. I am your host, Bill, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Chris. Now, folks, last week I did refer to episode number 89 as 90, but this is officially episode number 90. Now, Chris, tonight we have a very short but unsettling episode. Chris, you know how I feel about paintings, especially creepy paintings that have a tendency to have their eyes follow you as you frolic around the room. I've made it very well known that I do not like them, and I particularly do not like them when the aforementioned painting is that of a child. And if all that wasn't bad enough, it gets worse. Much worse. Legend has it that there is a curse attached to the Crying Boy paintings. It seems that these paintings have the ability to cause a fire in whichever home they may hang. Fuck this shit, I'm out. Chris, tonight we are discussing the one and only Crying Boy Paintings. As you can tell by the use of the word paintings, bud, we're dealing with more than one. And actually, we're dealing with upwards of 60 portraits that were painted throughout a three-decade period from the 1950s through the 1980s. So, Chris, as the name implies, the crying boy, (laughs) the portraits themselves depict a young child, looks to be around maybe four or five years old, in different varying positions, but it's more so just showing his face. And as the title tells us, in each and every one of these portraits, the young little lad is crying. Now, Chris, before we get into the reason for all the tears here, why don't we uh, discuss a little bit about the artist who painted The Crying Boy? Well, allow me to paint a picture for you. What a segue. (laughs) The artist of The Crying Boy paintings, who signed the paintings as Giovanni Bragolin, was an Italian painter who doesn't really exist. Well, that's because and I'm sure this, as other painters do, do not sign their actual name. They use some sort of alias or, you know, painting name. Uh, was known as, and we're not even quite sure what his true name was, but the Spanish painter Bruno Amarillo or Bruno Amadio. I mean, there's a ton of different names. Apparently he also went by Francho Seville. So who the hell knows who this guy really was? Now, Chris, if I hear you correctly, and I think that I do, you're saying that the artist of these paintings is just as mysterious as the paintings themselves. Right. You be. And while you mentioned that there was 60 portraits, these were actually printed and reprinted and and were very widely distributed throughout the UK, especially selling over 50,000 copies in just the UK alone. Like you said, it's this was mass-produced, so it's like anything that you could find in, oh God, I'm dating myself here, but like in the 80s record stores like Sam Goody, like they have a wall full of posters and shit like that. It's just mass-produced where it could be either put on canvas or it could be uh, just a print and uh, that you frame and whatnot. So, I mean, the thing's all over the place. I mean, unless somebody had any of the originals, but there's no real value to something that has been reproduced many, many times. So, yeah, it's it's pretty much all over the place, especially in the UK. We should dive into the actual history behind The Crying Boy, because The Crying Boy really did exist. Leave me alone! 
the artist discovers this young boy in Madrid, and he notices that this orphan, apparently a mute orphan no less, had a sorrowful expression and it instantly captivated the artist. So he had to paint him, but there was a warning from a local Catholic priest who came over and said to the artist that the boy by the name of Don Bonillo had run away after seeing his parents die in a fire. Now, the warning that was issued was that this boy now, wherever he went, fires would break out. Whether or not the boy started them himself, or if it was just some sort of freak curse that this boy now has after seeing his own parents die in a fire, is unknown. But the boy got the nickname Diablo, which of course means devil. And, uh, well, let's put it this way. Uh, who the hell wants some little boy off the street that's nicknamed Devil? Well, well I, <laughs> I already don't like the sound of this, Chris. I mean, this took a very dark turn that I was not expecting. I have a number of questions here, and uh, I don't think we can provide any of the answers, but uh, I'm going to ask them nonetheless. So this guy, the painter here, uh, Bruno Amadio, 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 fuck me, Amadio. Yes, Chris. Uh, so he claims to have seen this young orphan child, well, I guess running throughout the streets of Madrid. And according to him, he took notice uh, of the tragic look on this kid's face and was drawn to him. And then all of a sudden, a Catholic priest emerges from out of nowhere and he gives old Bruno here a very cryptic warning. So I don't know how much truth is behind this, but it does have the making, Chris, if you ask me, of a very low-budget horror film. Oh, indeed. I mean, you have a child, you have fires, you have a priest, and you have death, and a priest. Yeah, yeah. That's that's basically uh, the, the four uh, major things you need for a horror film. What, what more could you ask for? The plot is there. So, <laughs> so let's get into the, what this little kid looks like. As I said, there were a number of paintings done by our man Bruno here, upwards of 60 of them, and each one was obviously a little bit different. So I don't know if they were 60 different subjects, were there 60 different little kids, or was it just the same kid that he painted a number of times? I mean, they all do look very similar, and uh, the one that I'm going to be talking about, Chris, is uh, the one from the BBC episode entitled Punt Pie tries to burn cursed crying boy painting. And I'll post a link to that in the show notes. I'm looking at this painting, and uh, you got, you know, a cute little kid there. Like I said, he looks like maybe four or five years old, and he's kind of looking at you sideways. It's not a full on profile. You can see both of his eyes. There's a very sad look on his face, and I'm noticing uh, a little bit of a tear falling from his right eye ever so gently. So, I mean, looking at this, and if you're going to commit to a painting of, of this caliber, I would imagine that the subject would have to sit still for quite some time. So I, I don't know if this young boy was just propped up there day after day, just uh, full of tears, or maybe Bruno worked from a picture that he had taken. But nonetheless, this child looks very scared. He looks very upset. 
And it seems like there's something very turbulent going on in this child's life. And finding an artist who'd want to create a painting that depicts this, at least in my eyes, would raise a little bit of a red flag. Am I right? Crying boy. Well, I knew that was coming. <laughs> you are right. Why would some painter like to uh, do paintings of the misfortunes of other children? But, hey, perhaps he's just a visionary. And in these images, like you said, which it does appear to be there, there are different children. He goes to different locations. He's not only just in Spain. I think one was in Edinburgh. But this particular boy, Don Bonillo, he doesn't just paint the little boy. He goes on further to adopt him. And so... So apparently there's only one boy then. I mean, he's only adopting the one kid, is what we can assume from that. I mean, <laughs> he's not going to have 60 kids roaming around his house. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, that I fucking well, know. Well, we, we, we hope so, Bruno. <laughs> Otherwise, we got another story to tell on you. This child who's now staying with Bruno... He comes with Bruno back to his studio and apartment. Well, what I'm about to say comes to no surprise in that Bruno's studio and apartment catches fire. Hold on one second, Chris. Uh, you're telling us that the old priest there was correct that wherever this young child, Diablo, went, a fire broke out. So our man Bruno takes the poor little orphan child off the streets... Feeds him, gives him a place to stay, paints him, and then suddenly the studio in which he resides goes up in flames. If this is indeed true, then yes, the priest's warnings, uh, well, should have been heeded because uh, exactly what he was warning would happen did happen. And now, um, remembering the priest's warnings, he accuses this boy of starting a blaze. So he kicks him out. Was this uh, child four years old at this time again? <laughs> I have no idea. Um, but it, it doesn't get any better because the paintings started to spread across Europe at this point. Because now there's this, the legend of the crying boy paintings has begun. It quickly turns to a little bit of suspicion. And Bruno ends up becoming known as a jinx. And, and so now, not only was... Nobody really interested in buying his paintings, but nobody wanted to commission him to paint anything new. So uh, it kind of sent him, uh, his career, spiraling down. So basically what you're saying is it did anything but set his career ablaze. <laughs> that would be a correct way to put it, yes. So to me, Chris, it sounds like this priest here who, who came out of the woodwork to give Bruno this warning... It seems like <laughs> there was no adoption process or whatnot. He goes, uh, you know, here, just take him. It sounds like he wanted little Donnie Benio off his hands. So he was quick to brush him off on uh, the artist here. But with the studio going up in flames, he kicks him out, thus ending their relationship. So now we have to look into the life of this little kid, Don Benio, a.k.a. Diablo. Chris, it seems like this story goes from bad to worse. Now, this is hearsay. I don't know if it's true, but from everything I've looked up, I'm getting the following, Chris. That little Donnie's life ended in 1976 when he was in a car crash outside of Barcelona. 
Apparently, the car crashed into a wall at a high rate of speed and immediately burst into flames. So as the first responders get there to investigate the scene of the accident here, Chris, they realize that there was only one person in the car and that, unfortunately, this individual did not survive. Inside the car were the charred remains of Don Benio himself. That's right, Chris, the crying boy himself, who was rumored to have seen his parents die in a fire. The same boy that wherever he went, a fire would break out. Bud, his life ended tragically in a car accident in which the car burst into flames and he died immediately. So, I mean, if you're looking at all this and you tend to have any kind of belief in uh, the supernatural or paranormal powers... Chris, uh, there's obviously something going on here, and if you believe in curses, maybe Don Benio did indeed carry a curse around with him. But Chris, as is so often the case here at BTC, our story does not end there. You would be correct, because the real story here is, is not the boy himself, but it is the paintings, and that these paintings that we mentioned before end up being mass-produced, printed, reprinted, distributed to tens of thousands in just the UK alone. Well, this is where we start seeing incidents of the curse of the crying boy, because while these paintings are hung up in various homes and businesses, many are reported to have burned. And uh, there's one very common thing with all of these fires, and that's the only thing that's left standing is the painting itself, somehow undisturbed or just very slightly damaged, but for the most part, intact. So, Chris, if we're looking at all this, there's only one common denominator here, and that's the painting itself. He did it! So, I mean, I'm starting to think, Chris, maybe there is something to this... Maybe the painting itself is cursed. Well, we should um, maybe perhaps mention some of the incidents that occurred. The first report of this house fire is the home of Ron and Mary Hall in 1985. Fire apparently destroys everything on the first floor in this terraced council home, uh, except for one item. Um, you guessed it. It was the crying boy print. The painting fell from the wall in the living room and landed face down, and it was only slightly charred. The fire uh, was apparently caused by a frying pan that overheated and burst into flames, but nonetheless, the fact that the only item that was not burned beyond recognition was this painting, it leaves um, the onlookers wondering. Well, at this point, you're left with no choice but to uh, <laughs> start to at least look over your shoulder. Here's the thing. At this point now, I would say that the painting's probably got to go. Um, yes, they got to get the fuck out of the house. <laughs> but but this was not the only occurrence. Like we said, this, this was one of many. And uh, there were similar fires in homes and apparently even one occurring in a pizza parlor. There was apparently at least 50 cases. This is just a loan from one fire station officer, Alan Wilkinson. He actually personally logged 50 fires where this painting survives. So now you have to wonder, is 
the fire happening in these places because so many people have the painting and it just so happens that fires happen and you know if everyone's got them then that means this painting's going to show up in their house when a fire happens but the thing is the paintings are surviving the fires and this is the big question that everyone wants answered what the hell is going on why why when these fires are occurring are the paintings not burning in the fire and this has got people flipping their shit well, we're going to get into that in just a bit because there is a theory or two that uh, goes into great detail and gives us quite a bit of an explanation as to how and or why the paintings were the only thing to survive. But uh, Chris, I just did a Google image search on the Crying Boy painting itself, and there are so many different variations, but if you're looking at it, I mean, I'm going to guess that it is the same kid. All the faces look fairly similar, but it looks like the, the ages range by a couple years. So I don't know if he had a picture of one kid and did like an age progression or an age regression, whatever he did here. But uh, each one of the children, I mean, they all look very similar, but each of them are indeed crying. They certainly do all look like they do not want to be in the presence of uh, this painter. So we come to find out that in 1985... Chris, your favorite periodical, The Sun, started running all these articles on the painting and the subsequent fires that happened to take place. Well, what that did was help to create a huge panic. And uh, <laughs> at that point in time, what The uh, Sun did was organize mass bonfires. So if you did happen to have a picture of this little bastard hanging in your house, you were invited to come to a designated location and throw it into the fire pit, sending our little crying boy and whatever entity he carries with him back into the depths of hell. And you have to also remember, too, not that this is that long ago, superstitions were a little more of a big thing back then than they are now, Like especially when you have very religious people, too. Whoa. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Watch your step. Let me uh, backpedal there a little no, bit. No, no, too late, pal. I'm done. I'm, I'm canceled. <laughs> but it, it, there's some truth there. Certainly would make me wonder why the hell you'd want to hang it on your wall if, if, if you do believe in it. I'm sure it's a conversation piece for anyone that comes over, except when your place is no longer standing, there's no longer any conversations to have in that house because of the fire. That you just brought on yourself. Yeah, man. I I, I don't <laughs> I don't know what to say here. You know, I went into this thinking that uh, you know, this is complete bullshit. But uh, the more I look at this uh, little kid in this painting, I, the less I like him. So <laughs> let's get back to our story, Chris. Please, you're making me panic. So the bonfires <laughs> ensue. Everybody starts going around trying to destroy this. Nobody can figure out why the paintings are not burning up inside the house when the entire house goes up in flames. But when they bring them to the bonfire, they all get torched. <laughs> so so somebody's not being honest somewhere here, Chris. Although that would add a little bit of mystery to it, I think, too, right? Because if they were discovered in a fire at these homes and businesses not being burned, and then when you go to intentionally burn them in a bonfire, they burn, it almost makes you look like an idiot, right? So, mm -hmm. like, perhaps the portraits are playing games. Ooh, that's a very astute observation, Chris. 
We actually uncovered after doing our due diligence here, Chris, I dug deep into the YouTube archives to come up with a video. Actually, I just searched uh, the crime boy painting and this video popped up first. And it is from a BBC Radio 4 broadcast by, I'm assuming, a gentleman who goes by, oh, your nickname, Chris, Punt Pie. And uh, apparently, (laughs) apparently old Punty here purchased a copy of uh, The Crying Boy and attempts to set it on fire. It looks as if this portrait itself is roughly about 24 to 36 inches high and maybe about 18 inches wide. And it's resting on a cinder block. Our man Punty here, he lights the, if you're looking straight at it, the bottom right corner of the picture ablaze. Chris, I'm going to play the audio clip for our listeners now, and we can reveal the findings of Punt Pie's experiment. Punt Pie, take it away. Got a little something for you. One I looked into myself back in the 80s. We called it the curse of the crying boy. I want you to reopen the case. There was only one thing left to do. Quiz some boffins about the baffling cursed top pick. Or rather, ask some scientists to test the painting in a fire. Uh, In order to enhance the scientific credibility of this test, we are actually filming this. It's quite a big flame. The flame is now about two feet high. It is slowly inching towards the figure. Just just the lapel of his jacket has uh, disappeared now. There's a hole in the bottom right-hand corner of the painting, but the flames don't appear to be uh, spreading across. Well, you'd have to say that has not caught fire. It's definitely dying down now. In fact, it's now time to put the sausages on. The painting had a hole in it from where the fire had touched it, but the flames hadn't spread. You'd have to say that fire's pretty much going out. Martin, though, was a man of science and not given to superstition. For him, the unvarnished truth might be in the varnish. A bit surprised. I think it's probably been coated in something which is resisting the uh, resisting the flames. Whether it's actually some sort of fire retardant coating they put on the picture or whether it's just some other coating which happens to have fire retardant properties. As I closed the casebook, One partially charred crying boy portrait sat forlornly outside on the porch. I'm not taking any chances. So there you have it, Chris. As you heard the gentleman say, the portrait itself did indeed survive the attempted destruction by means of fire. And as you also heard him say, there could be the possibility that maybe these portraits themselves had a very special fire retardant placed on them so that they were pretty much incapable of going up in flames. That is a possibility. And one, one of the things that a, a chief divisional officer, Mick Riley of the Yorkshire Fire Service, had said, and this is way back when, he makes a statement to try to basically calm people down. He says, listen, the reason why this picture has not always been destroyed in the fire is because it's printed on high-density hardboard which is very difficult to ignite. But this did very little to convince the public and neither apparently did the fact that some of the paintings that they were hanging on their wall were not only of different children, but they were also from a different artist entirely. So now they're thinking that there's something going on with 
portraits of children on their walls. Well, that I can see, and that I do not like. Remember I told you, my friend Drew, who's an artist, he does these kind of portraits all the time. And when you're walking around and the beady little eyes are glaring at you, I mean, it's definitely an uncomfortable feeling. I'll tell you that much. And, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I mean, this is obviously a very talented artist, whoever fucking painted things. But uh, it's not something I would ever hang in my home because uh, I just do not like the look of these paintings. And I I certainly don't want any kind of... uh, questionable entity <laughs> that may be attaching itself to any, any of these portraits entering my home. So just back to the video for a second, our, our man Punt here says the same thing that the fire chief said that he definitely feels that there was some kind of fire retardant used on the portraits themselves. And uh, also in addition to that, he said that uh, the string holding it would burn and actually cause the portrait to drop on the floor and then basically forcing the portrait to land face down, protecting it even further. So, uh, sweet baby Diablo, let's uh, put it all together and uh, take a look at what we have here. Chris, I have a question for you. The Crying Boy portraits, cursed or not? What says you? I'm going to say bullshit, actually. Oh, shit. Which is what I usually say, so uh, I'm going to follow through here. Damn, I didn't see that coming. I thought you were swaying the other way. Uh, I I thought for the first time in BTC history, Chris, you were on board that we actually had a real-life haunting on our hands. Well, uh, what says you? Well, Chris, uh, I'm sitting right here next to uh, Duke, our BTC mascot, the Bernice Mountain Dog, and Bud, he's out cold and actually snoring right at my feet. And I don't know if uh, that's a sign of just how boring this episode is. Chris and I, I hope our listeners find it a little more interesting than Duke. I don't know, Chris. I mean, I... I... An answer would be nice. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say, Chris, uh, God, man, I'm on board with you. I hate to say it, but yeah, I don't think there's anything supernatural or demonic going on here. And I think that if there was indeed a better case, you know our man Zach Bagans would have a copy of this painting hanging right in a Zach Bagans haunted museum. So, I mean, Chris, if our man Bagans is not involved, I'm going to say no. There's no haunting here. Well, wait, hold on a minute. Uh, breaking news. Come on, it's coming. It's coming through my... Uh, what do you got for us? now. Hold on. This just... Okay, I, there's a... There's a tweet from Zach Bagans. <laughs> no fucking ways. <laughs> uh, I'm fucking serious, bro. <laughs> Come on, uh, man. It says, uh, this is from Zach. Then a woman donates the crying boy paintings to my museum after it set her house on fire. Yep, just more fun on hashtag deadly possessions. Oh, come on. What was the date on that? <laughs> April 30th, 2016. So Bagans actually has this thing in the museum. I think so. Yeah. God damn it. Bagans is involved. That has been confirmed. So Chris, fuck it. Why not? I'm changing my vote, bud. The crying boy painting is indeed possessed. Well, Zach Bagans has made you a believer. (laughs) Indeed he has. But uh, Chris... I mean, that's it. I, I'll put up a couple of variations 
of uh, the portraits on Instagram, and our listeners can decide for themselves if they'd ever want to hang this <laughs> in their place. And best of luck to any of them that may decide to do so. So, uh, Chris, without any further ado, let's give the rundown and get the hell out of here for the night. If, <clears throat> if you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us at btcpod2020 at gmail.com or on Instagram, Between the Cracks Podcast, or on Facebook at the Between the Cracks Podcast. Just Google Between the Cracks Podcast and we will indeed show up. If you'd like to become one of our lovely Patreons, please click on the link in the show notes there. That will take you to our Patreon page and you can see all the things we have to offer there. So, with all that said, Chris, what do you say we wish to find, find people out in podcast land the fondest? Oh, a fair. Not bad at all. I mean, I mean, there's some rough spots, but not too bad. The beginning was a little rough. Yeah. But...